Welcome to the show, everyone. This is a light and shadow of coaching in and beyond organizations production, a documentary that was made to fund social impact through coaching for women in Kenya, and which has been ICF accredited with 10 CCEUs and recently has won the Ellen Shoup Coaching for Social Good Honorable Mention Award from Institute of Coaching, a Harvard Medical School affiliate. This is only possible because of how all contributors had faith in the documentary, bringing about change in others' lives by creating ripple effects of growth, change and development. We believe that not everyone may need coaching, but that everyone deserves coaching and that coaching needs to be democratized to reach less privileged humans in our world too. Today's episode is the fourth installment of conversations with coaches, leaders, educators who either donated to support coach training for women in Kenya or made an interview contribution to the documentary or sponsored the social impact initiative or actually do it all. They all have two things in common. They share their passion for social impact through coaching and love taking a holistic view at coaching from the light and shadow side of our practice. The goal of the series is to give you an intimate peek behind the curtain. What is social impact through coaching for our guests and why does social impact matter for these coaches, leaders and educators? You take a look at the messy ingredients that go into a successful coaching career that combines both the light and shadow sides of coaching and how these two sides benefit our coaching practice. I'm your host or hostess, Tunde Adush, and if you wish to ask questions, make a comment or recommend a guest, I invite you to send me an email at podcast at coachingdocu.com. Well, I'm here with Michael Tichelmann, who, technically speaking, produced the documentary and who I wish to have with me as he will have insights into the nitty-gritty details of creating coherent stories without which learning won't be possible. Hi, Michael. Hi, Tunde. Welcome back, by the way. Thank you. It's good to be back. It's good to be back. And of course, my guest today is James Cook, joining us from Nestlé and having moved from an internal coach role with an operational business role to an L&D specialist role, responsible for coaching, mentoring and team development based in the UK. James, you have also made a huge contribution to the documentary in your role as a team member. Welcome. Hello. I'm, I'm so glad to be here. So thank you for inviting me. Thank you very much for coming and making time. James, you have undergone a really amazing development since you started at Nestle. What do you most appreciate about this journey? I, I've been through so much change since um, I joined this, this this whole journey on the coaching documentary and, and being part of your team. Um, that was about 18 months ago, I think. And I was doing, it, like you say, an operational business role um, a very busy role, but my passion was for coaching. Um, and I was on my coaching journey to get my ICF accreditation, trying to fit that in alongside a really busy, challenging job um, and seeing the frustrations of trying to do that. So I was busy in work and then I volunteered to join part of your team with just the, the energy and the ambition to be part of the social impact and learn from you, be inspired from the whole team. Um and so that was happening outside of my my uh, day job. So I was I was busy on both fronts, and that journey has just been incredible in a sense of uh, at work. I've 
I've got my accreditation with my ICF. I've got EMCC accreditation. I've got loads of hours of coaching and development and putting myself in the right place to move into my new role. So I'm three weeks into role now. And it's felt like my feet haven't touched the ground. <laughs> now I'm finding I'm doing podcasts and stuff like that. Um, and I'm not a, a, a doctor or a professor in coaching, but I've got lots of experience. I've got 25 years working at Nestle in supply chain and, and business optimization roles. Um, but I found that moving into coaching, that's where my passion lies. And I found the right place for me. I'm settling in this place now where um, everything I'm doing energizes me and it's, it's bringing out the energy. But that parallels then the journey I've been on with you. Mm. Um, meeting, oh, well, uh, I think the journey started with me engaging with some of your contributors lots of them I think I sent about 140 emails out to Mm -hmm. various contributors ICF chapters um and the first person I spoke to was Magda Moo from from the ICF and I couldn't quite believe this this journey I was going on so now I feel like I've spoken to all these amazing coaches I've been inspired I've got my accreditation my experience and now I'm in the ideal job for me um and that's all just probably in less than 18 months so uh yeah wow been busy what a a journey (laughs) what a journey and that's why i'm pointing it out because i really feel honored james to have you here on this show today and i do so because there is deep joy i pick up in you and around you being and staying engaged with things you yourself say how much engagement Mm. is important to you what exactly is so important about engagement that seems to inspire you so much yeah well, I can remember having the conversation when we first met about I didn't have an end goal in mind. It was about the journey for me, and it is it's linked to engagement. And I think the reason why I've gone on this coaching journey was born about eight or nine years ago when I had an experience of a role where I was super engaged um, in everything I did. It was a hard job, very challenging, but. Um, I like the people I was working with. I like the challenges I was working on. I was making a difference. I could see why I was um, making a difference and what we were trying to achieve. And I'd have climbed over any hurdle, any obstacle to to achieve more than my goals. So when when you talk about smart goals, I felt they were a bit limiting because they're specific, they're time bound, they're constraining. Um, and I felt engaged enough to 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 do the the best I could which was beyond a smart goal um and then I moved into a job that I felt there was lots of it was a a a promotion and it was a good job but there was lots of change and at the time there was lots of politics and I felt the exact opposite I felt disengaged and so from from a personal perspective I reflected I did some development planning I tried to look what what was it that lit my fire made me resilient in hard times and it was it was working with people um and I think I was doing some coaching with our Nestle Academy at the time and I felt that I'd had a hard day and I did some coaching that probably was a bit too much I was so busy and I found myself coaching these people but I came out of that fully energized and realized that's that's what drives me that's where I get my passion from um so I built myself a, a development plan to get myself to where I am today and it wasn't a specific job or speaking to you N- none of that was on there mm. it was about the experiences for me and the journey 
and how do I get the, those um, moments of energy more and more into my career? How do I build those into my job? Mm. And I've been through three or four jobs since then, all incrementally moving in that direction. And now I feel that what motivates me is because I've had that experience, how can I help others realise their agency in all of this and be able to increase their engagement while they're at work and, and change their outcomes? And I think that's how coaching can really help. Um, well, well, James, a hearty mm. welcome. Welcome on this show. And mm. I just wanted to also still, because it's so beautiful to listen to you, I must tell you honestly, the way you are, the, the very way you are speaking about how you're staying engaged is so inspiring and and it has been very helpful on on my journey to to get this documentary where Michael and I we could get it because mm-hmm. we we need it's there are so many obstacles to and staying engaged is the only way forward and 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 if I'm honest your way of seeing engagement it really sensitized me to yes that's like that's the key to everything here so thank you for that again yeah yeah well it, uh, it, it's felt effortless. well it's easy to say that with hindsight okay yeah you're right there was times in there where I was thinking oh I've had a really busy day why am I speaking to somebody like the head of the ICF (laughs) when I wasn't even an accredited coach at that point yeah Um, but I've enjoyed every moment of it I think probably more recently I've, I've found it a bit harder because I've been changing jobs doing two jobs um and quite stretched I found it harder in the evenings I've been tired so I think mm. earlier this year when you were in Kenya I think that was quite good because I probably didn't have much capacity to mm. support at that point but then when, when you contacted me again to do the podcast it, it just uh, it energizes me again so thank you for reaching out to me. Mm. So before we deep dive into the conversation mm. about the documentary and, and, and stuff like this and social impact is there something you yourself would like to add about yourself on top of what I have mentioned, and you have already mentioned something that you deeply wish our audience to be aware of? That's a good question, because I always say, no, there's nothing really I, w- I want to share. But I think the, the the important topic for me, and it's a passion point, I feel so strongly about it, and it relates to coaching, but it's listening. And it out of all the skills of a coach, listening is the one that it really interests me and I feel passionate I feel so strongly about because and we might talk about it later when we talk about coaching in organizations and mm-hmm. stuff I think that in today's world with all the, the technology the pace of change um, the polarization of social media all of that I, I feel that people aren't being heard as much as they could be and I think it's a skill that we really should practice more and have space and time for um, so outside of work and outside of this, my coaching journey, um, I've done other things outside of all of that to connect with how I listen, mm. how I improve my listening skills. Um, so I think that that's like a professional sort of hobby, if, if mm. you know what I mean. um, and That's really important to me. Thank you very much. It's really touching. Thank you. Michael, and how about you? What is there something that you deeply wish our audience to be aware of? About me, I don't think so. You what guys I, are too, 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 what, just too modest about no, no, no. What I would like to know from our audience is maybe some feedback on what we're doing. So, hey guys, reach out to us, write us an email, get in touch, come on the show. 
Okay, so it was not about modesty. It was actually about co-creating, right? Yeah, I think it's... Mm. Uh, we want to continue our conversation about coaching. And uh, I find it really interesting. The people who, or our guests are really interesting and so diverse. To sense like okay, where they are, they are with what we have been sharing so far. Yeah, I think mm. uh, as one of the creators of the documentary, it's really interesting to get feedback on the documentary and meet the people who are watching and talk about their life, of about their feedback, about what they are doing and what they want to share with us and the world. Yeah. So may the world hear this, Michael, what you have had to share here. <laughs> Where I would like to pick up today is what you said, you, James, you said in our exchange prior to our show about the title, The Light and Shadow of Coaching, uh, which seems to have struck you. It is a great moment to reflect what we mean by that, because we have never addressed this, like, why have I chosen the this title, the light and the shadow side of, of coaching? Um, and we've never addressed what we mean by it and what we do not mean by it, and how come that there seem to be so many interpretations around this. So would you be happy to share, like, your meaning making around the light and the shadow of coaching? Yeah, I think I, I've questioned it. Um, maybe I started I assumed with light and shadow that it almost meant the, the positive and the negatives of the coaching world um, and 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 in some cases there is that I think some of the contributors were talking about how coaching can be a positive but then there's there's issues so I'm trying to think of an example now around maybe like um, the focus that coaches place on accrediting and um the credentials is that a good or a bad thing um and how we get paid for things um coaching and it, again is that distracting us from the coaching all that that's that's how i saw it originally and then I, I reflected what else could that mean because i i feel like there's another there's another potential view of it where when i when i go back to my my journey when I first wrote that development plan to set myself on this journey, I highlighted some um, what I called my shining lights. Um, and they were sort of eight or nine people across the Nestle world that I'd identified as the best coaches that Nestle had globally. I didn't know them. I found out who they were. And I put in, I put them, part of my development was to go and speak to them and have an hour long conversation with each of these people. And they were my shining lights in my plan. And I, I meant that as inspiration. So I wanted to see the, the world from their view. And they, all of those conversations were fantastic. I can remember them to this day, and that was about eight years ago. And they were almost the, the light for me, as in driving me on and inspiring me and sh showing me the way almost. Um, and then I felt, so is shadow bad? And I don't think sometimes the shadow side isn't necessarily bad because I was thinking right so you get the shade from a tree or on a hot day you can sit in the shade and it's it's refreshing and it's needed sometimes um so I was, so both those things sort of reflected oh, I reflected on and realized that maybe it's about what's visible and not visible in coaching rather than negative and positive it's how how visible is something and they can both be positive or they can both have negatives so the shadow could be positive in a sense of um, some of the sort of, I think I see it in the coaching in organisations again. I see it as 
we talk about coaching as this great big industry and we've got amazing coaches, loads of accreditations, business development, all of that side of things. But in the organisation, I see actually we can't afford to go and pay for an executive coach for every single one of our staff. So we we create a coaching culture of everyday coaching conversations where not everybody is a qualified coach, but the, it's un, it's unseen because it's it's not at the top level. But I think that we can create those conversations less visibly, but they all have a benefit to everybody. Mm. Michael, what is your take on this? We have never spoken about this. Just taking it for, for granted. What is, if you think into the title, The Light and Shadow, um, how would you make sense? I, I think it's a really interesting take because the obvious one is, as you described, the light as the good and the shadow as the bad. But I would say, uh, like with music, most of the time you're focused on the music itself, the parts that are the music, but the breaks are also inherent to the music and sometimes even more important than the music you hear. So really interesting take and i myself have never thought about it in, in that way mm. Mm. so you're likening it to music and then how breaks are important and not just the sound so the silence the silence versus the the, the sound right yeah like mm. to the light and to shadow shadow oh so thank you guys for, for this because we have never addressed this and actually the idea is to inspire people to to make their own meaning around this because there's no definition to the light and shadow. And maybe the one thing that matters to me is that there is no polarity that we well, I, I, I had in mind to evoke. It was uh, actually, we need everything. We need both and more. And uh, to, to just be sensitized and sensitize, actively sensitize our, ourselves to um, how we are talking about uh, about it, how we are cultivating it uh, are we inclusive enough around how we talk about coaching and how we practice it mm. uh, and just a sensitization and, and as James once told me I think was last time we met he, he said James that I'm asking questions they were answering them mm. <laughs> <laughs> sort of thing like at one point I think he said uh, I'm wondering about myself if I'm a narcissist Mm-hmm. And that you never got an answer to it and watching the documentary. And it's a, that's the whole point. It's not about giving a, a specific answer to anything, but to, to, to take us to a place and a time where we think beyond the obvious yeah, uh, and allow ourselves to be vulnerable. Um, and not just coaching is the ultimate thing, the linchpin of human development, but mm-hmm. like, is it and to what extent can it be? And how is society changing? Uh, what are the interests of society today and is coaching serving those interests appropriately correct so how relevant are we so that those have been my ideas around the light and shell so for anyone that is interested and thank you very much James for uh, chipping in about this what was your um, favorite topic that you shed some light on ah. well that's a trap question you know because <laughs> because um I think that I haven't done justice to all that I would have wanted to address. Mm. But at one point, we needed to give it a break. <laughs> uh, because the more we were delving into the topics about with the more we discovered and the more and the more I was listening into the interviews, the more oh, we should be speaking about this. And why don't we address that? 
but we don't have space for this. Yeah. <laughs> and while originally we had only one part in mind, we ended up having three. Yeah? Mm. So at one point we needed to make a break. And actually what, what I would like to say about this is this, there's no favorite because I think what hurts a bit is that I would have so much like to create curiosity around even more uh, ideas around more having more people that I can invite to talk about even more aspects of our profession uh, that's how I would like to answer this question so I can look forward to part four five <laughs> <laughs> what is your level of engagement in this huh <laughs> <laughs> okay so how about we move into into something that your pet peeve actually coaching in organizations would that be okay mm. for you yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. So basically, the documentary is meant to support the democratization of coaching in that it funds coach training for women in Kenya. So basically, for coaching to empower them and be more entrepreneurial in their communities. Now, my question is where do you see the role of coaching in organizations in the widespread movement of democratizing coaching? Yeah, I think um, it's an interesting question question that I'm just starting to grapple with a little bit around this the point I touched on earlier around within within an organization who gets the coaching at the moment if you you have I see that senior leaders might get a super expensive external coach and then we also have our own internal coaching uh, professional pool of coaches where they're accredited to to the ICF standards they're good coaches and they're an internal resource. It's a fantastic resource. And simultaneously, we're creating a coaching culture where leaders use a coaching style with their teams and their employees, but also then the employees and the individuals within the organisation are being trained up for everyday coaching conversations. And I think I think for me, it's, it's quite challenging. It's almost like a pecking order of... Um, how senior you are in the organisation to what level of coaching you get. And I, I think the more we can create that, the culture where that's our default way of communicating, we listen well, we question well, we empower others. That's that's the world I want to live in. Um, but I think, I, I guess, we've, we've got things like um, digital coaching coming along where we've got big organisations that can provide coaches at, a cheaper um, rate than some of the specialist coaches. Um, how, how do we exploit our own internal coaches more? So I find that our coaching pool, our um, coaching is part, it's a bolt onto their day job, like my previous role. Um, and I feel, how do we create the space for, for that? And I think what I'm seeing is it, it's linking a bit to mentoring as well, but we have, inclusion and belonging and gender uh, gender diversity, racial diversity, all of these topics. It's where coaching and mentoring has got a really strong place to help support those um, communities within our organisation. Do you think that coaching in an organisation has to be guided from the top? No, not at all. I think okay. I've seen some examples where um, our academy uh, so uh, sort of um, their graduates or apprentices new into the organisation, they're young, they have a very stronger views and uh, understanding of some of the sustainability issues that 
our world faces and our leaders can learn a lot from them. And I think so we're seeing some mentoring programs where the, the younger people are actually doing the coaching and mentoring for more senior people because they're, they're traditionally more older, they're likely to be older, a long career behind them, and they need to understand these new dynamics that are going on from a, a younger person's point of view. So I think, no, it doesn't have to be top down. But I think probably where the money's spent is for the senior leaders of the organisation to get the coaches. And whereas the p- people further down, we can't afford a coach, as, as an external executive coach for every single one of our staff. So we have to try and sort of democratise coaching across the organisation. Did that answer your question? Yeah, I think uh, your example really surprised me because I think what you mostly hear about is top-down. So senior people coaching junior people, but in terms of apprentices teaching the old ones, sounds like a fantastic idea. And what is the acceptance level for this, James? Um we did, we we did some trials last year, and um, that was to the, the the very senior people of the organisation in the UK. And um, now we're running that that again, that scheme again, with the next level down of management. So um, it was very successful. So I'm just checking in to make sure that I understand uh, that we're on the same page with each other. So mm. the question is like when there is junior coaching, mentoring, senior. So and the, the acceptance level for that is is this what you have alluded to? Is this what we are are we on the same page about this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, wow. Well, that makes me to think because this is a, sh- a paradigm shift, sort of that you are bringing about. What what is the biggest challenge that you are facing actually? Because it seems like it really when I'm when I'm listening to this, it seems like installing a coaching culture is is an e- is is a picnic in the park mm-hmm. but i i don't like to i don't like to believe this but it sounds like this and so i'm i'm wondering where do you see the biggest challenges or where has your organization faced the biggest challenges at least from the uk perspective if you if you will yeah. when installing a, a coaching culture i think it's the other way so that, that that initiative of the almost like the reverse mentoring and coaching that's one example that where we're trying to create a coaching culture um, where it's more probably leaders to their teams. I think sometimes what I'm I'm seeing the challenge is really that leaders are so busy and stretched, there's lots of change going on that sometimes they need, or that they, I think they feel like they need a, a quick answer. They need someone to tell them, I just, I just need to know how to do this and move on and solve the problem. Um, and they, I think they see the value a lot. Everybody sees the value in the coaching and the training. and But it sort of goes out the window sometimes when you've got this urgent business problem and they might turn up to a coaching session really wanting mentoring or telling what the answer is. Mm. And I think there's a, sometimes you get a frustration that, oh, right, I, I'm going to have to cover this answer and it's going to take time. And I think some we can all see the benefit of those individuals owning their solutions and the empowerment and the journey they go on. But I do see things are moving so fast. There's so much change and so much pressure that I feel like unless you're like us, where you're really engaged in the coaching profession as a whole and you really, really understand it, I think sometimes it goes out the window. Mm-hmm. Leaders will find, will find themselves under a lot of pressure and um, 
they will they will tell or give answers to their teams rather than coaching because it's quicker. Or if they were if they were the one with the challenge, I think they they might turn up to a coaching session and almost just want the answer and 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 see that it's quicker if they're just told. And I think some that frustrates me sometimes because it might seem quicker, but is it the right answer? Mm. It might be the right answer from the person giving the answer. Um, so I think that's a barrier, definitely. There's there's also another aspect that's like while well, listening to you, um, what has popped up uh, in my mind is talking to um, organizations that in, that deploy coaching on a more in a democratized manner on a large scale, who actually start saying things around everybody wants to have a coach-like conversation or show up as if they were coaching each other, but not everything, not each topic is coachable. No. Or sometimes you just need to give a straightforward answer or say a yes and a no, or rather than, you know, do this dance of questioning and listening and sort of thing. And, and so it seems that sometimes people also reach a point where coach-like conversations or bringing in coaching skills can just be inappropriate. Mm. What is your take on this? I think sometimes it can, if it's not done well and in the right moments it can be frustrating for individuals um because again you're trying to create a coaching culture where you're having more coaching conversations but like you say not every conversation should be a coaching conversation and i think sometimes people can be maybe fatigued by it. it that where you've got in external coaching you've got a demand and someone's looking for a coach they're asking for a coach they've got a specific challenge mm. where in in an organization you're trying to create a culture where they're not necessarily coming to their leader and saying i want a, a coaching relationship for the next six meetings how are we going to contract um how are we going to manage that coaching relationship it's not like that it's more just a a natural organic relationship where you're using coaching skills um so i think sometimes if the leader gets it wrong it can be a little bit frustrating because it almost feels like it could feel like they're imposing coaching on somebody if they don't necessarily want it and that, that's probably just as bad as telling somebody in the wrong circumstances too it's it sounds like you're coining the, for the first time I'm hearing the the the, the term fatigue. Uh, so the, the the concept of coaching fatigue. <laughs> so it's a very interesting thing yeah. to hear. Um, yeah. So it's uh, how how do you see where do you see the role of of complexity and um, scarcity driving the need to find fast answers? You were just saying something around when there's. A, somebody needs a fast answer so where do you see the role of complexity and scarcity driving the need to find fast answers and find answers fast challenging the time people and teams in organizations have to reflect and find solutions through coaching i think for me what i've been seeing recently is around time scarcity uh and particularly sort of not well senior leaders and just leaders in general it feels like with this new world we're in people are in back-to-back meetings all day long every day and I feel like to have a, a really good coaching conversation it needs some decompression time beforehand and afterwards probably to reflect it requires time where you're not distracted both of you the coach and the coachee and I, I feel like that time scarcity at the moment can really impact the quality of 
God, A, the opportunity for coaching conversations and the quality of them because people are, are tired. They're in Zoom calls back to back, no space to do their actual operational tasks. And they're squeezing them in at the end of the day. And, th- and then to have time when you've got a conversation where there's lots of space in it, lots of reflection. It happens, but it's tough to squeeze it in. And it feels like the, the pace of all of that busyness is getting faster all the time um, so, so i think time scarcity definitely w- mm. what i'm observing at my day job is that during corona zoom meetings were a good way to have a meeting and everyone learned about them uh, but it also increased the number of meetings because you don't have to drive somewhere you can just have a meeting the next day without much planning and i would say what you're telling Uh, I can see that in our organization too. But uh, additionally, I think we are also uh, finding it hard to recruit recruit new people and bring them up to so Mm. time and resource problems. And many of our leaders are mostly sitting in meetings back to back to back. And then we only have the time for like the mandatory yearly meeting to really talk freely about something you so so right and resource is going to be my number two mm-hmm. mm. although it's a paradox isn't it i mean if we don't take the time for things how are we meaning to get results so mm. uh this it's, it's just a paradox i'm just sitting with this right now and i'm wondering that we want to speed up and we want to do things but then where to you know with what end in mind <laughs> Uh, when we find ourselves depleted uh, and overwhelmed and disconnected, uh, not finding the time to kind of settle in and stay grounded, um, where is this going to get us? Uh, will we get to the results that we are aiming for? Mm. I, f- I do feel that, that quite a lot, that the results sort of seem to take priority. And like you say, then you're spreading yourself across all the meetings and priorities that actually is it self-destructive in a sense of you're not doing it all of these tasks as well as you could do um and i I think also possibly things like a coaching conversation or a development conversation both the 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 leader and and the individual i see that they sacrifice those type of conversations first when you're faced with lots of pressing business challenges Mm. um around hitting targets or something's happened that we've got to um, find a new plan for, we've got to react, all of that sort of stuff's going on. And I I agree with you that the sort of developmental conversations, coaching conversations, they're what will help you get better results, but it feels like in the short term, they're probably sacrificed first in amongst all of this busyness. Mm -hmm. And also what I find um, a bit I don't know like how I find it, but it's it's it doesn't resonate with me very well to say we coaches also need to speed up. You know, we, we need to speed coach. Now, the, the world is turning faster. So um, things are, yeah, we are getting more and more things on our plate. So we coaches also need to kind of keep up with that speed. Uh, how is coaching answering that challenge of speed and time scarcity and complexity if we just do the same thing? As the world is doing, um, no way to balance it, but actually you're just sucked in into the same speediness. 
and uh, time scarcity. Uh, do you have this, this, do you see this with the internal coaches that this is happening in, in some way in the organization or, or where do you think actually that internal coaches can bring the, the biggest value as opposed to external coaches? I, th- I think, again, I'm still early days in, in my role, but I, the, the internal coaching pool we have is such a fantastic resource that qualified coaches to the, the same qualifications as external coaches and that they're not they're not quite a free resource but we people within the organization can have coaching relationships with these coaches and it doesn't cost them anything um, and generally these people are doing it because they're energized by being by coaching they want to be there it's part of their development they'll do it on top of their, their day jobs um so it's almost uh not quite a free resource but it's it's a flexible cheaper resource than going externally i think the challenge is that people within the organization know when to use them and how to use them well and that's almost being as a, as a client or a coachee having some awareness of what their needs are um and and being able to use that resource well so sometimes it it feels like we're possibly not maximizing that those resources that are available to us mm. um, and that that's a that's something i want to think about going forward how do i best make use of this resource that we've got there and mm. it, it's being used and it does make a difference but um how can we use that resource across a wider pool of people that probably wouldn't get coaching normally because mm. it would be cost prohibitive there is one thing that I would like to mention. It's kind of a provocative way of addressing it is um, I have supervised internal coaches. And so it, so I'm very kind of like, um, how to say, I'm happy to keep it just a, a singular experience. So I'm not meaning to say that it's always like this, but I would like to bring up um, some experiential wisdom uh, from my supervision practice. Uh, supervising internal coaches that um, they feel like challenges facing challenges when coaching peers like some sort of conflict of interest Mm. uh, on many levels like you know the double roles that they are embodying being in a in a functional role and then bringing the coach role then working with peers who I mean, also depends on the organizational culture and the political background, but it's. No. It, I have come across this the internal coaches' experience that they are having a harder time to to find legitimacy in in their role as coaches than external coaches. Would you be happy to share something around that experience, if that's uh, it's if if that's true uh, for Nestle? Yeah, well, I've only got experience within Nestle um, and one thing that I think works well for us is just the size of the organization is so big that and it's built it's made up of different organizations within the wider organization so it is possible to find yourself outside of your normal sphere or your normal community as a coach so for example I've coached people in from China um, completely different culture but they're still a Nestle employee um, and nothing to do with my normal function or my normal world so we are bound by I guess the overall 
fact that we're all Nestle employees, but that that it didn't feel like that that was um, an issue. I think you're right. Sometimes you're part of the the pool of you're part of the problems or the challenges as a coach because your day job might mean you're part of the the, the same challenge that the person you're coaching might face. Mm-hmm. So for me, though, I think one one of the the, the the benefits of coaching internally is more it's, it's more suitable to the career and development um mm. challenges i think because again as well it depends how you see mentoring fitting in with coaching but i think there's um there's definitely space for being able to coach people through their developments and change um but i guess then if you're thinking maybe sort of larger organizational change if you're a senior leader trying to coach someone and there's lots of organizational change going on that could be quite problematic so I think you have to be quite aware of those things and Mm. and, um, contract carefully Mm. so what I'm hearing James is is a scoping so there is Mm. an internal coach will be probably covering fields that are different to those that an external coach would be covering. So this is basically an element of differentiation, right? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Michael, I would like to ask you, um, have you got internal coaches uh, deployed in your organization or are you? is, is your organization thinking of building, constructing, um, installing a, a democratizing coaching or setting up a coaching culture? Um, yeah, I think as James has said, it depends. Uh, mentoring is certainly an idea that's uh, quite established in terms of coaching. I think it's only recently and uh, as in many organizations, I think it's starting with the top of the organization. And just now they're thinking about developing internal coaches but I think they're just uh, on in the beginning of introducing coaching in, in the organization. Mm-hmm. But uh, w- one thing I would uh, I'm not sure about is uh, awareness of coaching in uh, organization because I think in my day job I think coaching is not really something the employees think about. Only leaders or leaders of teams are aware of coaching or that it might be offered so i think that's a one big question how can how can the employees or just a normal base level be become aware about coaching and engage with it james is there is is there one particular thought that comes to you to giving advice how to start introducing or what to watch out for when introducing a coaching culture something valuable that you might like to share uh we uh i'm just i don't know about starting it because i didn't start it in this late so i'm lucky enough to um come along and it we had a good coaching culture already um we do have uh, a leadership framework a leadership behavior framework where coaching is called out that we'd expect um, people across the whole organization to be able to understand what coaching is and use that in some of their interactions. Um, and then what we do is we have various levels of um, coaching training available to all employees. So we start off with everyday coaching awareness, and that's just um, an hour long session where anybody can come along and find out what what coaching is mm. skills that are required 
what's the sort of model and and how you might have a coaching conversation and that could be for a five minute coaching conversation in in a lift where somebody's just uh, they've got a challenge or something on their mind mm. how could you what skills and how could you deal with that conversation but also putting it in the context of how it fits in with the the, the spectrum of conversations all the way from um, a more directive conversation or mentoring um, or training and it just it shows where that fits into all those different conversations because like you say Tunda that not not every conversation should be a coaching conversation sometimes there's a need for an urgent you just need to do it like this <laughs> if the, the I don't know if there's fire regulations or a fire alarm going off so those those courses that we've run are, are really popular mm. so so like it sounds like spread the word make the people acquainted with with the concept like michael is saying like how to create awareness what is coaching at all bring it to the base level sort of thing an awareness level to the base level and then um, and then provide training and, and take it from there right um what do you think so like it's it's we're coming to a close now and I, but I still having a question around where do you see that digitalization is or ai is challenging this culture this coaching culture that your organization has been really taking a lot of time, seems to have put a lot of effort in building. Not even, not, I haven't even asked you what the purpose was in the first place. Why did the organization get interested in doing this with what purpose in mind? But, and you feel free to answer that as well. And then uh, where do you see that a digitalization or AI may come in the way or not? I'm, I'm not that well-educated on um, where that, AI is going within the coaching world. I, I do know that um, I guess we'd be very cautious about um, data protection and how that would work with um, AI where the conversations are, I don't know how private they are, but I guess they're feeding databases and algorithms um, and it can be quite personal stuff. So I think we've got, that's one element we'd have to be very careful of. Mm -hmm. um, mm. uh, Beyond that, I can't really answer it. I, I've only been enrolled three weeks. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I think that will be on the horizon, though. Mm -hmm. What What do you – like, it's the last question, and let it go, because I, like, I, I do feel inspired to ask more, but I'll, I'll let go of it because um, I think it's time to wrap up. What is it? What, what are your aspirations in your new role? What would you like to see uh, happen what we'd like to have happen in about five years time what is your aspiration in your new role I, I think for me at the moment it's it's continuing that journey so again I'll always say this there's no end point in mind it's about for, for me personally being more and more engaged in how I can um, help coach the coaching culture within my organization if, I, if I'm doing that and working on that I'll be happy because that's where I want to be I think the challenge around how we really maximize the resource of our internal coaching pool I think that's really important to me and secondly I think the direction of how do we how do we link our coaching culture into the team's development side of things I think that's a really interesting area because teams in the future 
or even now, they're just so important. And how do our leaders uh, or people managers, how do they unleash the power of those teams? Um, and again, not all t- when you've got thousands of teams, not all teams can have an external teams coach. Mm. So how do we recreate that and, and create a culture where the leaders develop their teams and create a psychologically safe, mm. trusting environment where their teams can thrive? Mm. Great. So I think with the hot topics over the next few years. Uh, James, like good luck with this, and again, congratulations on this mm. uh, amazing journey that you have been on so far, and um, and with your level of engagement that you are bringing to the table, I think you are going to top your expectations. And as- no, you didn't say you were having expectations. I ask you, what aspirations did you have? So I think you will be topping your own aspirations. Um, that's what it sounds to me, at least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Say it loudly and yeah. proudly, Come on. man. I'll bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I went quiet because I was just picturing it all in my head. And it's, uh, it's a nice thought. Yeah, say it loudly and proudly because I think you're too modest uh, about your own um, achievements here. Uh Uh, All right. So uh, we are at the top of our time, guys. Um, Let's say goodbye. And before we do so, James, one last thing. Why should anyone be implicated in social impact for coaching? I've got two reasons. One is is the actual social impact at the end of the day, helping others through coaching. I think it's transformational. I've been on, not through social impact, but I've been on the receiving end of how coaching can change your journey and your engagement and if if we can help people that wouldn't normally have that I think we've got to be engaged just why wouldn't you and then secondly I've just enjoyed the whole journey all my interactions the people I've met the people I've spoken to um, and watching the documentaries is just educating me too so um, I've got nothing but positives about everything so I think it's just be part of it and see where it takes you uh, be open for fun right it sounds like mm-hmm. just yeah. for the fun of it just for, for the fun yeah. of fun of it <laughs> yeah michael is there something like something else that you have wanted to share and uh we haven't given space for this or time we were talking about time scarcity today but you, hmm. you, i can give you time to share now before we say goodbye i just uh, want to say again that i really enjoyed this conversation and I hope that we can keep it going and also keep the social impact going in Kenya so uh, that's why I said guys please get in touch and continue our work thank you Michael great thing because that gives me an opportunity to add that guys if you're interested in getting instant access to the documentary please go to www.coachingdoku.com and if you have comments or questions and how you can be part of this initiative, drop us a line at podcast at coachingdocu.com. Now, this is a light and a shadow of coaching in and beyond organizations production, a documentary that was made to fund social impact through coaching for women in Kenya. And this is my guest, James Cook, and you can reach James via james at in-yu.space. So feel free to reach out to us and leave your comments. Stay tuned and until next time.